Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. to Real Life Church. Man, I'm just so expectant of all that God is going to do in this place today. So whether you are with us in person here at Kentucky Trail or you are joining us online, go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to worship God big together today. Gaze transfixed 
just invite you to worship this morning. It's so amazing that we get to sing his praises for endless days. Just lift your hands as a sign of surrender to our God. Change everything. 
Church, the Lord is in this place today. Will you invite him in and welcome him into our hearts this morning? Welcome. How are we doing this morning? Woo! It is a big day in the chief's house tonight, but I promise you it is a bigger day in God's house today. So let's give a praise, shout a praise to God this morning. It is so good to see you here. Uh, so good to see everyone here in person, but it is also so good to welcome another group that we feel very special to right here in our hearts. They're joining us online, completely digitally. We give a big shout of praise uh, to Real Life Church Online. Let them know you're here this morning. All right, well, welcome in. Uh, I do believe that God has you here for a reason this morning. Uh, God has you here on purpose, especially if you are new and you're joining us for the first time. We are so glad to see you here. Let me be the first to introduce myself. My name is Brandon. I serve here on the Connection team, and it is so good to see you here. So how about you go ahead, uh, give a wave, give a smile to someone sitting around next to you, and then let's have a seat. morning. Again, welcome to Real Life Church. Um, we do have a couple next steps for you. And so I'm going to go ahead and invite you to pull out your phone. Yes, you can have your phone out at church. Um, and we have a couple next steps uh, to get just a little bit more plugged in here at Real Life Church. Uh, if you can text RL New to 97000, uh, what that's going to do, it's going to pull up our digital communication card. Just a few short questions asking for some pretty basic information uh, that we will use to help follow up with you this week. Uh, you can get there the same way uh, by scanning the QR code on the seat back in front of you, and that'll pull up that exact same link. If you are joining us in person today, uh, I invite you immediately after the gathering to join us at our New Here booth, uh, where we do have a small gift for you uh, just for making uh, today uh, your home for, for your church home. So thank you for that. Uh, to tell you a little bit more about Real Life Church, who we are, uh, we are a church on mission. And, you know, you see, you walk in here, you're probably overwhelmed by all the lights, all the pipe and drape, everything that we do uh, to make this, you know, this is our church every single week. And why do we do it? You know, why are we here? Why do we exist? It's because of this mission, this mission right here behind me, to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And guys, have you been enjoying this breakout series so far to start off the year? If you're like me, you come in every Sunday morning, you're ready, fired up, and then the week comes and you kind of maybe forget what those resolutions are or what you're trying to accomplish. And so let's be reminded today that this is a not an easy thing to do, but if we continue to make those small changes in our lives, we will see our breakout year really come to fruition. So let's get up for Pastor Sean as we uh, go into the Word today. 
Come on, how you guys doing? Got a few Chiefs fans in the house, I see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. No donuts this year. That's all I got to say. If you were last year, yeah, that, that stung. So anyway, uh, man, are you guys feeling the spirit of God in your life this year so far? You feeling that, the hand of God just moving you a little bit? Uh, man, this series has been just kind of wake-up call, um, really for me personally and for all of us, just diving into what it is to, to follow God at a different level. And uh, if you've been with us for a little bit of time, maybe a new day, I'm going to kind of lead you through where we've been. And we started out really talking about ignition, uh, knowing your personal call, reinvigorating, reigniting the things of God in your life, and talk about Paul and how I mean, God's hand was on him and he followed God's call to the Gentiles and literally went before kings and preached the gospel. If you remember the story, we went back to David and Goliath and how one man stepped on the battlefield and everything changed. Amen. And last week, a man going in through Daniel on the lion's den. Now one man marked by prayer, when a nation is against him, prays to God and not only leads a nation out of captivity, but the glory of God goes around the world. Amen. And so today we've just woven through really kind of what it takes to take off and take flight and to be fueled in the air through prayer. And I want to talk about today something very specific, uh, something I think that just where we're at in this series, uh, really the boldness to go somewhere that's uncharted, uh, to break the limits of your circumstance. And really today as Christians to break the limits of our current faith. And so today we're going to talk about what it is to be uncharted. And you think about people, we often are limited uh, by voices in our life. We've talked about that. But we're also limited by our own failures uh, and limited by our circumstances around us. And so I want to encourage you, uh, really with a list of people uh, that you're going to recognize that were limited by circumstances, by their own failure, by those around them, and broke through the limits. And so there's a few people you might recognize. Uh, first is this, is Beethoven. Uh, he was told by his music teacher that as a composer, he had no hope. Boy, that person was wrong, right? Think about Thomas Edison. Uh, his high school teacher told him that he was so stupid, quote, he could not learn anything. And then you think about him after really 10,000 times of trying, he perfected the incandescent light bulb. Hallelujah, amen, praise God, you know? Changed our lives, right? Matter of fact, I think about him, it's like maybe he's just too stupid to quit on his dream. Maybe he's just too stupid to keep going after it, not to be defeated by somebody else's voice in his life. You think about Walt Disney, Kansas City, come on, somebody. I don't know what editor said this to him of a newspaper, but he told Walt Disney he had, quote, no good ideas. Dude, I don't know about you, but there's probably none greater that had ideas in creation than Walt Disney himself. You think about this uh, Apollo missions that went to the moon. The chief engineer for the Apollo missions was Warner Von Braun, and he had failed ninth grade algebra. Believe that. He's probably bored. Come on, somebody, right? Um, but he could have been defeated. Uh, he could have given up. He could have been labeled a failure. But instead, he got back up and kept pursuing. Uh, I learned this. This is pretty unique. The Abraham Lincoln, he lost 18 elections on his journey to become president. Isn't that incredible? I mean, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't go back 18 times. Come on, right? Uh, but just to get up and go and just, he had a passion and a drive drove him through all of these failures. Uh, there's a little-known guy, you might know him if you're into science at all, but his name's Louis Pasteur, and uh, he's a French scientist. Uh, he came up with the pasteurization process, uh, is a famous for the father of microbiology, and he was told by his chemistry teacher in college that he was mediocre at best at chemistry. I mean, you think about these people and all the voices that could have just got them off track or maybe their own failure or their own circumstance, but I, I don't know about you and what your experience is, uh, but, but I love the incandescent light bulb. Come on, somebody. 
Uh, I mean, the, the Fifth Symphony. Come on, somebody. Dun, 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 dun. That song probably came from when he got that bad news that he can't do anything. He just got motivated to write that song at that moment, right? You know what I'm saying? Just like, dun, dun, dun. dun. Thank you. You know, goodbye. I mean, just amazing, right? Uh, you, you think about the light bulb. I don't know if you know this, but Thomas Edison actually became the founder and CEO of what you currently know as General Electric. Uh, thank God for GE that we actually have the, the wherewithal and the medium to live in this generation and have what we have. Uh, I love most Disney movies. They've gotten kind of strange, literally, lately. Um, if you haven't seen it, that's okay. Um, I know my kids, they love spending $5,000 of their parents' money to go to Disneyland and Disney World. Come on, somebody. All the children said, amen, praise God, you know, right? Um, I love space exploration. I love watching people and, and just take innovation and go into new boundaries and new limits and, and to push beyond the status quo and to see what has been accomplished in space is absolutely amazing. I don't know about you who loves pasteurized milk. Come on, somebody. Hashtag chateau. Come on. Where's my chateau, people? That's good. Just Diane. That's great. Yuppity granola woman over there. It's great. You drive up and it's like, what's that? Bo-? Oh, Chateau people. All right. Don't judge me. Come on, somebody, right? Drive a diesel, but we have Chateau. It's great. Um, but I just want to tell you this year is your breakout year, but we got to move beyond the limits for God. Amen. Uh, we we got to move into uncharted territory. Um, we can, we, we're not going to play it safe as Christians. You never change the world by playing it safe. Like, we've got to go to places that God has called us to go. Uh, we've got to move when uh, other people say it's not possible. Uh, when it's even beyond your own faith, you've got to take another step of faith. Amen? When they say the fruit is out on the limb, you've got to go where God's calling you to go. Do you think the God of the universe created you, sent Jesus to be crucified down the cross, and saved you, and poured his Holy Spirit into you generously to play it safe? Do, do, do you think he wants you to be limited by other people's realities? Do you think he wants you to stay comfortable or to move into the places that he has for you? Here's what I know. One day, your legacy will be built on the faith and the, the boundaries that you went into. That one day, people are going to thank God for you if you take the space that God's called you to take, if you take the ground that God's called you to take. You think about your life, I'm sure you're thankful for the people that went before you that had enough faith to, to tell you about Jesus, amen? Because I'm sure it was awkward, Right? It was weird how it went down, the friends that invited you or maybe your parents or, or whatever, right? I think about my story and just from a personal level, uh, thankful for those in my life uh, that honored God by taking off work on Sunday to show up and teach a nobody about somebody, come on, about Jesus, and they cared for me and loved me to Jesus. And that was, a, a, you talk about a, a youth group leader uh, that has a full-time job somewhere else, uh, working its tail off in the business world, but taking time off to pour into somebody like me. Now, there's nothing sexy about serving in youth group. Come on, somebody. Um, yeah, I know we got some here, right? I and mean, what do you tell your friends on Sunday night, right? Uh, hey, you want to hang out? Oh, no, man, I'm like, got this. Uh, I'm going to this youth group, and I'm like pouring these kids for Jesus. Like, okay, you know, whatever, man, right? I mean, it's just weird, right? But the reality is for those people to pour your life into, they're forever changed for the kingdom of God. Amen. It's going beyond the boundary. It's abnormal for people to take time out of their life and give it to God. It is very abnormal. But I believe people are going to thank God for their fourth grade, what do you call it, Sunday school teacher or real-life kid leader that one day look back and say, thank you, Miss Christie. Thank you for those people who served, for pouring my life because it wasn't for you. I wouldn't be here today. And there's so many of you that have those stories, right? I mean, people are going to thank God for the Hope Center. They got counseling and that freedom, and they met adults that loved God and loved them, and they're forever changed as teenagers because their youth group's going to meet there. Amen? This was called by faith. 
Not by sight. It makes no sense on a financial spreadsheet. There's a lot of better things to do. They're all too busy to do things, but the reality is God is calling us to live by faith in what we can't see in him. So I wonder how many of us today would leave here and say, you know, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to break through year. I'm going to do things that go against the grain. I'm going to move into uncharted waters. I'm going to step out in faith. It makes no sense that people around me, even my family and my enemies, it makes no sense. But I'm going to follow God where he's calling me. I'm at least willing today to say yes to Jesus at every single level. No longer limited by what they think of me or what if I mess up. So what if you mess up? Come on, somebody. You learn from your failure, amen? Uh, I don't know what to say. You hear it all the time, don't say. Well, you will learn what to say, right? Uh, you'll barf on Jesus out a little bit, and then you'll get better, right? Uh, I'm too busy. It's like, no, you know, you got different values. You're not too busy to, to lead to the cause of Christ. Oh, I've never done it that way before. Uh, no, no, you're going to learn some new ways to do it, amen? We're going to try some new things this year. Uh, well, maybe when the kids leave home. No, 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 they need it now. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, my daughter, she's four years old, and she wanted to see mommy's wedding dress because they had pulled the box out because we've worn that so many times, right, since the day. And uh, so they pulled the box out and like, oh, I'll get some pictures. And so Diane gets to the wedding book and, whew, you know, dust that thing off, right? And so flipping through the pictures and you're seeing all these memories and reminiscing and just sharing stories and all this, you know. And can I just be real honest with you? Uh, we aren't getting any younger. Come on, somebody. Have you gone back to your wedding pictures recently? <laughs> now, Diane, she, she's the exception, Come on, somebody, right? Uh, but we're not getting younger. I'm like, wow, okay. And uh, we, we got to move in a direction. Uh, we we got to live by faith. You know, it's been 15 years since that day, and uh, a lot's changed, you know? I don't know. You skip, like, pant sizes in those years. You know what I'm saying? Like, just, I don't know, you go from, like, 32 up. It's just there's not even whatever, right? This is what happens. We're not getting younger, but, but the reality is this, and I truly believe this, that so many of us are, are limited by fear or limited by circumstance, or limited by our very faith, that we almost can limit the work of God and the kingdom of God into extinction by delaying and deferring the mission that God has for us. You think about it. If it's not us, then who? Who? Who will carry the mantle of the cause of Christ forward in our generation. So I'm going to do today, I'm going to zoom in, and it's going to be awesome because we're zooming in the Hall of Fame of Faith, Hebrews 11. If you're not familiar, you're going to get familiar. I mean, this, this, is, this is like the, uh, the Medal of Honor winners, you know, the, the Purple Heart. This is it. Like, this is like the men and women that led the way of ancient times with faith. And so all I'll do today is just invite you guys to invite God to speak into you today. So if you guys can put your hands out, we'll be doing this through the series just to get in the presence of God. And I'm just going to pray over you and to invite God to speak into your life. Father, we come before you. God, I pray you'd speak a word into us today, God, that we live by bold faith. God, that you replace fear in our hearts. You replace the temporary, the circumstance, the voices with the eternal, with the unseen. And today we live by faith, not by sight, not by fear, not by worry, not by guilt, not by unrighteousness, God, but we just step by step follow you. So God, speak to us. God, your servant is here, so speak. God, hear my send me. God, wherever you call me to go, I'm willing to go. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. And so we're going to dive into Hall of Fame of Faith. And really, there's so many lessons of faith in here. I mean, obviously, we're not going to be able to go deep dive on all of these. Um, but I encourage you, if you're looking for a word that's going to just speak to your heart, man, get into Hebrews 11. Uh, we'll jump in in verse 1. It says this, now faith is the confidence uh, the word confidence is simply trust in what we hope for and assurance 
This assurance is a positive belief. It's an affirmation vote in all the things of God. And so now faith is confidence we hope for and assurance about what we have not seen. This is what the ancients, they're talking about the ancients of faith, were commended for. This is what these ancients were praised for. When, when you got done at the end of the race, when you're going through the gates of heaven, it's like, man, this is it. You're a big faith. This is why they're applauded. This is why they're saluted. This is why they got the Medal of Honor. This was it. They lived by faith. And so today we're going to see the story of all these ancients woven together. And really the goal today is not to get faith into your head. The goal today is to get faith, great faith, mound-moving faith into our hearts. Amen? There's a lot of men who believe but there's not a lot of people who have great faith. And so you can see over this chapter, they're going to see 23 times, and it's more, but just the phrase, by faith, by faith, by faith, this person, that person, this person, that person, there's more stories of faith than the 23. But it says this in verse 3, it says, by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at what? Help me out. At God's At God's command. Uh, by faith, we believe we didn't come out of some, some premortal sludge, that it wasn't an accident or just a happen chance or some evolutionary moment of time. But by faith, we believe that God commanded. He spoke the universe into existence, not by happen chance. And so that what was seen was not made out of what is visible. I love this. When God decided to create the universe, to create the, the cosmos, when God decided to create everything we know and see and look at, he simply spoke into existence. Amen. Who knows when God speaks, everything changes. Like, I don't want to limit the voice of God. Do you? I mean, if God says left, it just turns left. He says stars are stars. He says light. He says sea. He says ocean. He says land. Boom. He did something very specific for us, though. He formed us out of dirt and intimately formed us and gave us a living soul. And that's why we're the only thing created in the image of God. And we know God. There's a God-shaped hole in each of our lives that only God can fill. It separates us from all rest of creation. Verse 4 says this, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended, he was applauded as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. I mean, if you remember the story of Cain and Abel, this is the second generation of humanity, and Abel's bringing a better offering to God than Cain is. Abel took his first fruits, remember that? He, he took his, the first of the flocks. He gave the very best to God, and Cain, he decided to give God his leftovers. But Abel was being commended, and Cain became very jealous. And it says this, and by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. This is an amazing verse, because you, you read this, you're like, what in the world is this talking about? That Abel's still speaking today. See, what happened in that story is Cain got jealous, he met Abel on the field, and he killed, he, he, he took Abel out and he killed him, and his blood was shed in that field. And it says this in Genesis 4.10, it says, the Lord said to Cain, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, I, I love this verse, because what's happened is that even though Abel is dead, which by the way, he's the first martyr for God, Amen. It's very interesting to think about, but it was the second generation. They're the first martyr because Abel was living by faith and was killed for his faith because he pleased God. And so his blood is crying out. It's crying out for, against justice, against sin. And God of all God hears the voice of Abel's blood, and it's crying out even speaking till today. Now, what's amazing about this is even if you die for your faith, I know we're going heavy, right? But if you were to die for your faith, that, God, that the world may kill the messenger, but the message lives on. Amen? There's a reason they call it the voice of the martyrs, because the blood still speaks justice. And I think about the second generation is still crying out to God. 
for justice against sin. And uh, man, there's a great parallel. We're not going to be able to get into it today. Uh, but God, but Jesus' blood speaks a better word. If you read Hebrews 13, you're going to enjoy that. And we may get to that in our, our next uh, series around Easter. But uh, it's amazing to see uh, how faith of Abel led to his voice still speaking long past his life. And the legacy we leave is really built on the foundation of faith that we live in every single day when we make that choice. Hebrews 11.5 says this, By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so he did not experience death. He could not be found. I love that. This is the way to go right here. Because God had taken him away. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this story. There's, There's two different times in the Bible where somebody doesn't die, they're just taken straight to heaven. And so Enoch, it says, and he's translated to heaven, and he, he's just gone. And he, he, it's just amazing. And I don't know, you know, Elijah's story, right? Like that chariot of fire, like rides up. That's the way to exit, amen? That, that's the way to go. Just skip the whole process, get the view of the world, man, cruising out to heaven. I mean, this is it. So Enoch, he looks so much like heaven that he wasn't worthy to live on earth anymore. Th- that's what it means to live by faith, Amen. I mean, it's so much of God in you that God was like, it's time to come home. And I think that should be, we should be the generation of the chariot of fire, amen? We should be the generation that God says, send down some chariots for those boys because they've been living by faith so much. Let's go and take them up to heaven because the earth is even worthy of them. I'm getting ahead of myself. But man, I really am, but I'm telling you, living by faith. And then there, he says this, for he was taken, he was commended, he was applauded, he was saluted as one who pleased God. Man, the greatest honor we get to have in this life is to please God, amen? Not to please people. People are always going to be upset with you. And if they're not upset with you, then you're part of the problem. Come on, somebody. It's true. You're pushing uphill. You live in a fallen culture. You live under a fallen kingdom. But we serve the king, and so we move forward in the direction God is calling us to go. Hebrews 11, 6, and this is a verse you've got to put in your heart. This is really the, one of the greatest descriptions of faith. It says, without faith, it is what? It is, it's impossible to please God. What that's saying is no matter what you do, no matter what you accumulate, no matter what you buy, no matter what you give the church, how much you read the Bible, no matter how much you pray or how much you come or whatever you do in life, it's all secondary. Could never please God compared to your faith. And so today the question is, where is your faith at? How much is God pleased by your faith? It says this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I think I'm going to earnestly seek him. Man, that's like intense conviction. It's like when you open the Bible and you start reading it and you're like, this is so true. Come on, speak to me, God. Yes, that's good. I'm going to follow that. And it doesn't just transform your mind. It transforms your life. It transforms your heart because you are trusting Jesus because he is faithful. Amen? And so those who come by faith, please God. And so you may be wondering, like, man, why am I getting off the ground? It may be because you've been doing it in your own power and your own strength and your own will, but you need to live in the faith of God. I'll say this, there's a huge difference between faith and belief. You think about a smoker, right? A habitual smoker. We all know, we all know, we've been told a million times, it's on the box. I mean, there's ads, there's campaigns against this, right? The whole world used to smoke. You watch old Disney movies, everybody's smoking. Pinocchio, come on, somebody, right? I mean, just about at once, ashtrays in, in the planes, you know? I mean, just like all the things, right? But the whole world knows, you know, it, it's unhealthy to smoke, it can cause death. We, we all know that. People believe that. They understand that. But most people continue in that habit if they've been in that habit, right? Like they know better. You got family members and people. Maybe it's yourself. You're like, I've been trying to quit. Like you know it. But the faith is the action part of it, right? I mean, think about the demons. They believe. I mean, they tremble. They, they understand. I mean, I'm wrong. But they don't have any faith. They don't, they don't, they don't follow God. 
They didn't change their allegiance. It, it didn't move them to the other side of the equation. And so belief and faith are a little different. Like you can believe something, but do you have the faith? Did you have obedience? Are you willing to put your, your money where your mouth is? Come on, somebody. Are you willing to walk the walk, not just say the talk, right? And so if you want to please God, blow low off your limits, you got to live by faith. you got to earnestly seek God. That means when you read the word of God, like, dude, this is so true. It doesn't matter what everybody else is thinking. This is the way God has called me to go. It, it means that we are so passionate about God because the spirit of God's in life. And it's like, hey, God told me. You know, some of us got to say no to people. It's like, I love you. I do love you. You don't feel that way right now. I love you. But I'm going to follow God's voice on this one. That's how we rise up. Amen. You got to go against the culture. If everybody agrees with you that looks like the world, then you probably should be doing something a little different. And you go to God, you take a blank piece of paper, and you sign your name at the bottom and say, okay, God, whatever you put on it, I'm going to go. Whatever boundary you have to cross, whatever charted territory, God did not call you to play it safe. Can I just tell you that God did not call you to be in the comfort zone of life? He, he didn't call you to float. I always say a dead fish floats downstream. Come on, somebody. Um, you don't have to do anything to float along with the world. But God has called us to be countercultural by faith. Amen? Some of y'all look at your families like, dude, I, I got to be that guy for my family. Like, I'll be the generational change. It was for me and my house. I love y'all, but I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen? So I'm going to go right. I know you want me to go left. I'm going right. All right? I'm, I'm going I'm to follow God with this. I'm going to take that, that step. So we don't have to be friends, but the reality is I'm going to follow Jesus. Verse 7 says this, by faith Noah we warned about things not yet seen. It never rained before Noah built a boat. Come on, somebody. It's an awkward day, right? The whole, whole years you're building that boat, like, what is going on? It's just going to rain. It's like, what in the world are you talking about? It says, in what? Help me out. In what? In holy fear. Yeah, that, that's, that's, what, that's how you go to God, right? Uh, you fear God, not man, right? And holy reverence, like, okay, the word of God says, God's speaking to me. I'm going to take it with him. I'm going to put all in on Jesus. I'm, 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 like, I'm like Nitro Circus, done thinking, right? You, you're going for it. You're taking the jump. You're taking the leap. That's what faith is. It's, it's trusting. If I sit on the stool, I trust the fact that's going to hold me. And when Jesus says, just what you need to do, I'm just going to trust the fact that's going to happen. Who knows God's promises always come true? Amen? It's never, he's faithful and true. If he says it, it's going to happen. And so God speaks a word into your life. If God nudges you a direction, don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid of staying the same, you know, because God's in it and he's in it. He, want, he wants to see you through. He says, by faith and holy fear, he built an ark to save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness. And you see a comparison between faith and righteousness here all the time. That's in keeping with the faith. By faith, Abraham, and this is a boy to study right here. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as inheritance, obeyed and went, even though, help me out, he did not know where he was going. I love this. This is maybe the greatest picture of faith. I mean, you have this, basically, God goes to Abraham and says, hey, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And he says, you're going to leave the Ur of the Chaldees, and you're going to go to a place that I will eventually show you. This man's extremely wealthy, has extreme livestock, all these things, packs his family up in tents, and he starts going, not even knowing the destination. None of you got in a car ever in your life, maybe once, right, and, and didn't know where you're going to go. You know, you knew for sure you're going to Big Daddy Donuts. Come on, somebody. You knew for sure you're going to go to, to the scooters. But for him, it's like, I don't know, God, let's just start on this path together. And by faith, he packed his stuff up and went and obeyed God. He moved outside the comfortable. I mean, in other words, he went past the reef. Come on, somebody, right? He moved beyond Moana movement, right? Like, I'm going to pursue out the distance and go where God has called me to go. Can I tell you today, there's no military issue, lazy boy recliners. Come on, somebody. 
You, you, don't, you don't join the kingdom of God and get comfortable. You don't get to the front line in a trench and expect it to be easy. When you take the ground that you need to take in your life, the ground that God's called you to take, it is a difficult journey. Like self-crucifixion, self-emptying, self-denial, losing yourself, emptying yourself. Dude, go back to Jeremy Camp and look at an album called Empty. His wife died of, of cancer, and he wrote this whole album of just brokenness, of crying out to God. We got to get to the point in our life where it's just no longer about our ability or our inability, but it's about his ability. Amen? Amen. And so we just follow God by faith. There's nothing to do about you, and then you're going to find there's enough of God in you to be the person that God's called you to be. It's not your ability. And so it says this in verse 9, by faith, this is Abraham, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him from the same of the same promise. I love this. That boy didn't even build houses. Come on, somebody. I mean, this world was so temporary for him, he just put a tent up. It was like, well, I'm just going to pass through. I'm not going to call this home. I'm not going to get too grounded or too concerned about the things of this world because I'm just passing through this foreign territory. He goes on to say this. It says, for he was looking forward, I love this, to the city with fountains whose architect and builder is God. He knew he wasn't home until he saw those beautiful fountains and glory in the, in the city that was built by Jesus, whose architect was God. And he said, this is my home, amen. And maybe the problem with so much of our culture, maybe cultural Christianity, is that we've forgotten that this world is not our home. We are consumed about making this world so comfortable that we've forgotten the fact that it's not called to be comfortable that we will lay our head down one day in glory with amazing fountains and fruit from the tree. Come on, somebody. With those that love Jesus and family and friends, and then we take a rest. But in this side of eternity, we're called to live as foreigners in a strange land by faith. And by faith, even Sarah, this is his wife, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him, I love this, talking about God, faithful who had made the promise. If you look at Jesus and he's calling you to do something, he will... He will make a way, amen? Even when you don't feel like you have a way, it doesn't make sense, you don't have enough money, you're not prepared, you don't have a, a plan, uh, it's not, uh, you don't feel like you have uh, the resourcing, uh, you don't have enough in you, God will make a way every single time because it's God, amen? That's just what he does. And so from this one man, Abraham, and he is good as dead in his old age, came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky, as countless as the sand of the seashore. Now, I know about this, but Abraham died. He had a nation, a great nation, a huge nation of eight people. Come on, somebody. That was his nation. And he lived, he lived for a promise. He looked forward to the promise. Matter of fact, it says this, and this is talking about all the people we talked about. It says all these people that we've mentioned were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things that were promised. They were looking forward to a promise. They were looking out to a promise. And they only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And this is what they told themselves, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Man, this is, this is really the call of a Christian. We, we shouldn't fit in. If your goal is to fit in, you will not live by faith and not have the things of God in your life. If your goal is to fit in with your friends, you have the wrong goal. Amen? I mean, you're, you're called to be the outcast. You're called to be the weirdo, the Jesus freak. You're called to be the guy that just like, what's up with that guy? And it, honestly, it is so attractional. We're going to talk about what faith looks like in this side of eternity. But admitting the fact, this isn't my home. People say such things, they show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been look, thinking of a country they had left, they'd have found the opportunity to return. 
it is so easy to tell somebody who's going to go the distance and somebody who's not because they're always looking over their shoulder back at what they used to have. The New Testament says this, whoever puts their hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. I mean, your hands can be here, but if your heart's back there, you're going to find a way to go back, aren't you? And so we got to move our heart from here on earth and move our heart into heaven, amen? This is our desire. Heaven should be so close. I mean, I love that song, Homesick, right? Like, I, I want to go home, but God has me here. Like, that's the heart of a Christian. So I'm just going to gather as much for the kingdom of God and live by faith for the kingdom of God and see what God's going to do for my life before I make it home. But this is not my home. I don't put down the deep roots, amen? I'm, I'm a foreigner. I'm a sojourner. I just, I'm just walking through step by step, just going, okay, well, that looks like the world, but this isn't my home. People who say such things, they're looking for the country of their own. I don't belong here. I'm not going to get too comfortable. Instead, they're longing for a better country. There's something more out there, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them in heaven. I don't you forget about this city of fountains, amen? This city the architect of God has built for us. This, this is where our heart is at, amen? I mean, if you put your hope in here, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Maybe the, the end game is heaven, and this is our home. This is where we're moving to as Christians. Have you ever been around a person of great faith? Have you been around a person that just was like, wow, the spirit of God is on that person? I don't know if you had that in your life. Maybe you've seen it on a TV or like a video or maybe you've done a Bible study by somebody or read a book by somebody. But you kind of get some picture of what a person of great faith looks like. You ever sensed that before? Like the spirit of God, like it's anointing is on, is on them. The kind of people that like, it's always the movement of God just kind of falls wherever they go. Like the God just speaking through them like a vessel like the tip of the spear, like an arrow shot into the culture. Have you been around these kind of people? Like, you know, you think of people like that, right? And I'm not going to name anybody living because they still have room to fall. That's what Tozer would say, right? But you think of like Billy Graham, right? Like, like this just, just, just moved a, a, a nation, like the, the platform of like a world scale to be used by God. And I think about men and people in our church, like a, a local scale or like a family scale. You think about a person in your family, it's like, man, that person, they just bring up the level of spirituality. Like, they just bring Jesus to our family. If it wasn't for that person, man. Here's what, here's what I use to describe those kind of people. I don't know what word you use to describe them, and maybe you find this true for you. I've been around these people, seen them. I'm like, man, the word I think of is transcended. These kind of people transcend the culture. You know they don't fit in. There's like, what, man? Like, how do you do that? Like, I, I can't even, I don't have faith. What? Like, you have much sacrifice. Like, how did you come up with that? Like, how in the world do you have the courage and the, to step out? You look at those people, right, they transcend. Think about transcend. It means breaking the limit. It means rising above and going beyond the range of the limits to transcend. I mean, you think about people in your life, if you've been around and seen those people, and it's like, man, that, that's a foreign person in our family. Maybe you should be the foreign person in your family, amen? It'd be a good thing to be the foreign person in your family or the foreign person in our church that transcend in the church. The kind of people like Jesus, like, man, Jesus showed up with sinners and what did sinners do? They do what most churches do and they run. They ran to Jesus, amen? He was a friend of sinners. That boy was alive for the party. No matter where he went, people went to him. He was trying to pray. He had to, he had to cut through the crowds and go behind some rocks and a mountain just to be quiet so he could pray to God. He had a, the crowd was always pursuing him because he was so attractional to people, Amen? Amen? I mean, we think about our lives, it's like, am I a transcended person? Can, can I be the kind of person that God's hand is all over? Can I be the person of faith that God's like, I'm picking that boy? 
Like that person loves me in secret. He's worked tails off behind the scenes. He's full of faith. He's the kind of person that to trust me with a little, and now I can give that person more. They transcend people who, who change nations and change countries, and just on their prayer, their knees. You talk about David and Daniel, these ancients, we've heard all these stories that transcended. Like Enoch transcended to translate up to heaven. I mean, the earth didn't even deserve that kind of faith and that kind of heaven here on earth. I just think God should help us to be transcendent people in our generation. Amen. Amen. I mean, we should be that kind of people for our children and we transcended for, for our nation. I mean, transcended for our workplace. People should know there's something different about that boy. I can't put my finger on because you can't put your finger on the man of God. But you do realize they're not from here. That there's something so much greater about that man or woman of Jesus. I mean, everybody should see where you go, should say, man, that person loves Jesus. And when you get closer to you, this is how you know somebody's transcended. When you get closer to them, you discover the heart of God. They're the kind of people when you sit down with and you're like, wow, I feel like I just met a little closer with Jesus today. They're the kind of people you don't get closer to and go, that guy's a phony. They're the kind of people you get closer to and you're like, wow, how did you get where you're at today? How did, how did God move in your heart to get to that level? And they're going to say the same thing we're going to say today. By faith, amen? By faith. By faith. It's not them, it's God. Hebrews eleven seventeen. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, this is his son, as a sacrifice who he, he who had what? Who had embraced the promises. This is Abraham embraced the promise of, the, of God in his life. He had deep conviction. He was full sinned, as Diane says all times, the team. Full sinned. It wasn't going to happen. All in for Jesus. Was, able, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I mean, think about this. You, you know the story. If you don't know it, you got to look it up. But you have Abraham who's really raising the knife to sacrifice his own son on the altar in place of any other sacrifice because God said, hey, take your son up and sacrifice him. Because Isaac had almost become like a, an idol to Abraham. And he was testing Abraham to see his faith. And so he gets up there and he raises the knife up, willing to kill his son, who God told him the heir of your generations and your legacy, your nation, is, is going to be killed. It made no sense. It doesn't make any rational sense. It doesn't make any sense. But Abraham, he trusted God. He had faith in God that God would somehow make a way. And I love what happens here. Abraham reasoned. And this is the type of reason that doesn't exist in 2023 in our education. It doesn't exist in our nation. It doesn't exist anywhere besides the people of God who know the word of God and people are faithful to God. Abraham reasoned with faith. He said that if God could even raise the dead, and even that manner speaking, he even did receive Isaac back from death. Abraham believed so much that if he would have stabbed Isaac and Isaac died on the altar, that the only way this would ever work out is that God would just raise him from the dead. He had so much faith that if I killed my own son, that God would bring him back to life. This is the only way it's going to work out. And I just think in this generation, we've got to add faith back in the equation. Amen? We've got to add faith back into our reason. It's not unreasonable. It is actually the only thing that is reasonable. It takes more faith to be an atheist. It takes more faith to be a secular humanist. It takes more faith to wander apart from God. It takes more faith to do all those things than to trust God and to serve God. Amen? Some of you are like, oh, step on my toes. Look, the promises of God are so true that if he died, he raised somebody alive. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. One and only son. KJV gave his only begotten son. That reference actually refers back to this. This is the only time you see in the Bible, the one and only son being sacrificed. 
And if God can raise him from the dead. It's like his promise is always true. It's gospel truth. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents, mom and dad. You don't see dad in the picture on a lot of the, you know, the, the drawings. But mom and dad hid him for three months after he was born. Instead of having him killed, tossed into now, they hid him because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were, what, help me out, they were not, they were not afraid of the king's edict. I'm going to let you know today, we aren't the first generation that to pick from the faith in God or fear of a king or a culture. We're not the first generation of parents that have to fearlessly protect our kids from the things of a king or a kingdom of a culture. Amen? We're not the first generation that have to, to push uphill. We're not the first generation that's uh, misunderstood and has to do things in secret and have to fight the good fight of faith and have to, to war for the things of God when everybody else is going left and we're saying, no, no, I'm going to do, do it the God's way. I'm going to fear God, not man. And look at this, by faith Moses, because his parents had faith in God. Here's Moses. It's amazing. Moses, when he'd grown up, because he had a chance at life, because they feared God, I love, look at these words, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused it. He said, no thanks, not for me. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, he chose, he refused to, to be counted as a household of Pharaoh and then he chose to, to be identified as a Hebrew and to follow the God of all gods. He never forgot where he came from, Amen. He just chose to, to, to walk away from all these things. He have fortune and fame and money, all these things, the fleeting pleasures of sin. And it says, verse 26, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He, he, he'd rather not sell out to the Egyptian dream. He'd rather not be comfortable. He'd rather not just go with the flow and fit in, just live a good, fun life up in the palace and do what he wants to do. No, no, he'd rather just identify with God, amen? This is what baptism is. I mean, you're literally saying, hey, I'm in for Jesus. I don't know what's going to cost me, but I don't care because I know what God has already given me. I know the reward that's in heaven for me, and I'm just going to follow God. I'm going to be on his side. I don't know if you'll play dodgeball what side of the fence you're going to be on, but I'm going to go with Jesus, Amen. I don't know what kind of games you like to play, but there's not a game with God. So I'm going to go on God's side, and God honors that. See, Moses knew this wasn't his home. He didn't sell out. And by faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. Come on, somebody. I mean, we're, so, we're so motivated about fear. But the regards is we've got to fear the one who's worthy to be feared. Not the person that can kill the body, but the, the, the God of all gods that can kill the body and the soul. Right? Like, we, we have a healthy reverence of God. That's the beginning of all wisdom. And so we make a choice. It's like, which direction am I going to go? Okay, I'm going to follow the direction of God. And he persevered because he saw that he was invisible. Of course, he got a burning bush. That helps out a little bit. Come on, somebody, right? But it wouldn't matter. People can see a burning bush. They can meet Jesus. They still crucified him. By faith, he kept the Passover and application of the blood on the lintel so that the story of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. I want you to notice so far in this whole passage of Hebrews chapter 11, what, what didn't happen? What, what did they do? 
Uh, it wasn't by intelligence. Come on, somebody. It, it wasn't by higher secondary or higher education or degree or a PhD. It wasn't because their ability. It wasn't because of hard work. It wasn't because they were qualified. It wasn't because they were successful or famous or popular. It wasn't because they're trying to make people happy. Amen. It wasn't because they're trying to, to boost up their culture and be in the limelight. It wasn't because they're trying to keep their friends. It wasn't because they were fully resourced for the vision. Amen. Some of you got a big vision. You're like, I don't know how to get there. God will figure it out. You just be faithful, right? It wasn't because they're top of their class, and it wasn't because they're fully prepared. If you're waiting for prepared, you've missed the entire opportunity. Amen? You're missing it. You got to go now. Like, there's a mission. It's uncharted. You, you, you know, we put people on the moon with intelligence of not even a microwave today. Come on, somebody. Right? We, we just find a way to, to push into the kingdom of God by faith. That battles are won and fought by God from our knees. Do you, know, when you open the Bible? It's, it's always interesting because, you know, when people open the Bible, because it seems to be like a kind of rarity for most people. But they open the Bible and it's like, man, God showed me something. And it's like, I just flipped it open and God started speaking. Have you ever noticed that in your life? You can flip to any part of the Bible and God speaks to you. Even Leviticus, come on, somebody. Like some, just, man, okay, God, God spoke to me. Maybe a little struggle, right? Um, but God speaks to you. It's so happens so many times. And, you know, if you crack the Bible open, you're just probably gonna turn to Psalm, right? It's just right in the middle of the spine, you know, and oh man, God starts speaking, right? But here's the reality as Christians. See, see most people, they pick a book. But as Christians, the book picked us. Amen? It's a living word. And if you, you want to know the word, you want to know Jesus, he's called the word, you just open the Bible and you start the word speaking into your life. And so you get alone with God and you say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? In those secret, dark moments when nobody's around, that's where your faith is built. Amen? Like, I, I mean, right here, this, this is just like a spur-on moment. Like, this isn't a faith-building moment. You've got to get face-to-face -face with Jesus. Amen? Like, that's your responsibility. That's your part to play. And God is willing to use you as a transcendent person of great faith in your family, in your culture, if you are willing to fall deeply and desperately in love with Jesus. We live by faith, not by sight. Hebrews 11.30 says this, by faith the walls of Jericho fell after the armies had marched around them for seven days. Anybody got a trumpet? Come on, somebody, Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just like KT to the ground, right? Uh, by faith, look at this, I love this. The prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed, and those who were in, or with those who were disobedient. I, I love that women mate in the Hall of Fame of Faith, amen? There is great women of faith. I can't tell you people I talk to, and it's like my grandma showed me Jesus, my grandma brought me to church, my grandma pulled me to Christ. That is so many people's stories. And, and here you have to recognize like there's women of faith all throughout history, all throughout the Bible. But even cooler than that, in the story, you have a prostitute. You, you have an ordinary, or maybe less than ordinary, as people consider, a, a broken, empty, uh, maybe leftover, just everyday people. Come on, somebody. Nothing special. And God uses her, her faith, to do extraordinary things for God. Amen. And so, so if you're looking around like, oh, man, but if you knew my past, I, don't, I personally don't need to know your past because I know Jesus who forgave your past. Amen? And so we got to stop looking in the rearview mirror and being held on by this anchor. Oh, look what happened in my life. It's like glory to God because what much is, much is, uh, much is forgiven, then much is required. Amen? And so you can just go like, well, man, God just took down that big anchor. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've got a story to tell. And so you guys are blessed with the ability to share your story. I once was a sinner, 
but God saved me. I once was blind, but now I see. Amen? And look at, look at Rahab and her story. It's like, man, if God can use her. By the way, so far down the list, you, you've had a murderer. Uh, you had people sleep with their own daughters. You've had drunkards. You've had a, another person who was killed by somebody. I mean, just you, if you don't know the Bible, um, I'm sorry because it is so real. Nobody, nobody would write this if they were writing this. They don't, okay? People write history, they cut out all that stuff in their family, right? Come on, so it's a perfect family, right? Just like that picture. You just retake the picture. They just write how they want to write it. But this is re the real deal. And so we can have faith in God, just ordinary people doing extraordinary things for God. The key ingredient is simply this, by faith, by faith. I'm going to tell you what faith looks like in your life. And it's found in Titus chapter 3, verse 4 through 7. And this is the gospel. This is one of the greatest presentations of the gospel. This is Paul uh, speaking to the you know, protege, like build him up, right? And he says this, but when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Now, don't forget this. This is it. Not because of righteous things we had done. Do you know you're forgiven not because that you are a good person? Do you know you're not forgiven because you measure up? You're not forgiven because you're perfect? You're not forgiven because you went to church and you read your Bible? You're like that thief on the cross. You did nothing righteous. You probably never prayed before a meal. You probably didn't know the name of God. And for just the God's divine providence, he is hanging on a cross next to you and say, I don't see you in paradise. And he says, you're forgiven. You're forgiven by this. Look what it says. Not because of righteous things you've done, but because of his mercy. His mercy. His mercy. Mercy is when somebody shows up and they steal your truck and then you, ha you hand them the next keys to the next car. That's, that's mercy, right? That j justice is when somebody steals your truck, you just, you take them out back. You know what I'm saying? That's justice. Mercy is like, oh, you want the car? Oh, have this car too, right? And the grace of God is like, oh, hey, don't worry, it's, it's forgiven. You, you can have all this, like just freely given, no strings attached. Jesus on the seat taking the execution for us. He takes our penalty, our payment for our sin. But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us. Help me out. How? Us generously, generously. Do you know you get a full dose of the Holy Spirit when you came to Christ? And it wasn't because of anything you did. Whether you killed people, you sold drugs, whether you're a complete lunatic, whether you treat people like trash, whether you personally let out of the divorce and it's all your fault, whether the person who did all this other stuff, it does not matter whatsoever. When you came to Christ, he gave you the full dose. Matter of fact, he didn't take a little eyedropper of, of the Holy Spirit and go, peep. And when you, when you grow a little more, bleep, and I give you a little more, bleep. No, no, no. He gave you the full dose of the Holy Spirit. He generously gave it to you. This wasn't like a Chipotle bag of chips. Come on, somebody, right? You know those get smaller every day. It's like, what in the world? This is the full bag of Jesus, amen? So I'm telling you this, is you have all it takes inside of you through the Holy Spirit to be transcendent in our culture, amen? Amen? Generously through Christ Jesus our Savior, not you, Christ in you, having been justified, declared righteous by grace, that we might become heirs, having hope of eternal life. It's the cross that qualifies you to break the limits, and we should by faith. Hebrews eleven thirty two. And what what more should I say? Do, I do not have time, which I don't, but I don't have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Now, if you don't know about Jephthah, go judge 11. Man, amazing story. This guy's like a wild warrior, kind of like Elijah kind of dude. It's amazing. Uh, of David and, and Samuel and the prophets. And through faith, look what happens through faith. This is amazing. They conquered kingdoms, administered justice, 
gained what was promised, and we talk about this, and shut the mouths of lions. Amen? They quenched the fury of flames, escaped the edge of the sword, and whose weakness was turned to strength. It wasn't about their ability. It was about their inability. God used their weakness, and he became strong. And it says this, that they became powerful in battle, routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, that they may gain an even better resurrection. They'd say, I'd rather die for Christ than denounce Christ. So I guess you have to take me out. There's so many martyrs that say, you know what? As for my house, we'll serve the Lord. This is what we're going to do. And they died a death because they'd rather just sit there saying, I'm a Christian. And some faced jeers, which is mockings and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. And they were put to death by stoning. And they were sawed into two and they were killed by the sword. And they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Verse 38, probably the most powerful phrase in the entire chapter 11 says this, that the world was not worthy. Come on, somebody. I mean, that might be the greatest definition of faith. Somebody who lives in such a way that the world was not worthy of their walk. Live by faith, not by sight. You gotta live by faith, push it into a generation. Like leading the way, it doesn't make any sense to anybody, don't have to. But by faith, you know, God called me to launch a church, okay? My faith will launch a church. Is it gonna work out? I have no idea. Come on, somebody. You know, I mean, it's like, is God gonna do it? I don't know. If he doesn't do it, we're going to move somewhere else, right? We're going to just keep moving forward the thing of God. We try to go to Asia. Well, that's not going to work this way. Just by faith. It's a generation that steps up. I mean, how much faith on the scale do we have, right? I mean, are you marked by faith? Are you a man and woman of faith? These people, they honored God in the darkest days. They're persecuted in, in, in the darkness. They're outcasts. They were killed. They set such an example of the presence of God, the world didn't deserve such men and women. Now think about these men, and we talk about Enoch a little bit. That these, what it means to be, to be not, the world not to be worthy of these kind of people, it simply means this, there is so much heaven in them that the world didn't deserve their walk on earth. Can, can you imagine being so, so much like Jesus that God just says, the world isn't worthy of you? I mean, I wanna go through that tunnel in heaven, you know, like one of the, one of the archways, right? One of the gates, he's be like this pray to people going, man, you're one of those ones that God just called you home because the world wasn't worthy of your walk. Amen? You changed the generation. You changed the community. You laid out there. And you're, the, the, the blood of your life, what you did, lives on beyond you because you can't silence the work of God. Amen? This is what God's calling us to do. And we can rise up. Why can't we be the chariot of fire generation? What, what is stopping us? from pushing that direction. Who can stop the work of God, amen? Just us, just ourselves. If God is willing, we move, we push, we transcend in our culture. Verse 38 says this, they wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended, they were plotted for their faith. Yet none of them received what they've been promised. Last verse of chapter 11. Since God had planned, God had a purpose and all of this pain, all the things that was happening, God had planned something better. Oh, there we come in the picture for us. These people didn't live through the promise. They're still looking forward to it. And they, the world wasn't worthy of what they did. They were fighting for the things of God, but they never received it because of us. Now we enter the picture so that only together with us, these ancients of faith would be made perfect. What this is simply saying is this. You know that kingdom we talked about, that, that city of fountains, 
remember, and the architect was God and the builder was God. Why hasn't that come yet? Why aren't we in the city of fountains? Why are we there yet? And the simple answer is this, because God wants us, amen? He wants us. He is patiently enduring all the sin, all the chaos, all the brokenness, all the things so that we could know him and together with these ancients of faith, we get to fulfill the promise, amen? That God wants us to know him. Think of 2 Peter 3, 9. This is, put this in your heart, in your mind. It says this, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. What it's simply saying is this, is that everything up to this point, every moment in time is created for this exact moment for you to know Jesus, amen? Everything is pointed to this right now, this intersection for you to know God, to, 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 to be part of the story of God. You know, there comes a day when you don't need faith. There comes a day when your faith becomes sight, amen? We get to put your hands and put your head into the fountain of God. Come on, somebody. You get to walk on the streets of gold where you don't have oil slicks because your car breaks down. Come on. You don't change flat tires in heaven. And in the centerpiece is Jesus. And you fall before God and you just cry out in thankful heart broken before him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This is why I live the life of faith. My faith has now become sight. Amen. Every day by faith, believing that God is just right here next to you. The air I breathe, he's in the moment. He's here with us. That's what Emmanuel means, God with us. Jesus' name alone means he is with you. But think about this. God did not just die and this moment was created just so you know him. He's also created so that others can know him as well, amen? So you can know him and make him known. So you weren't created to be silent, amen? There's no faith in silence. Matter of fact, they call it a sin of silence. There's a lot of good people that believe in God that sit silent. But there's very few men and women that have the boldness and courage to step out and open their mouth for the glory of God, amen? And that's what 2023 is. It's the year where we break boundaries. It's the year where we, we, we come out with our faith. It's the year where we say, we're done hiding in the corners. We're done being pushed back on and beaten down. I'm no longer afraid of the king. Come on, somebody, the lowercase k, right? I'm gonna walk in the glory of God. I'm gonna be a man of faith, a person of faith. I don't care what anybody's gonna think about it, amen? And somebody's gonna post this and we cancel culture of our church. Come on, somebody, right? And I don't care. I keep telling Diane, I'm like retread. I'm like a relic. I'm like that old school leftover man of faith. Like it's just, I'm just being pushed into a corner all the time. And in culture and in society, it's like just like what an outdated thing. Well, it's not outdated, it's real, amen? And we get to, be, we gotta live it out. We gotta live it out. Not, not being rude or pushing down on people, but we love people to Jesus. We, we, we don't expect the world to understand because we're sojourners, we're foreigners in this country. We transcend our culture. We're a generation that the world wasn't worthy of. That should be our generation, amen? We should put a sign above the door. The world is not worthy. That's the kind of men and women we are. That's the kind of children we raise. We didn't limit the call of God. We went to uncharted territory. We took ground with the gospel. We broke barriers, not because we're perfect. We're forgiven and we're faith-filled for Jesus. 
gonna share one last scripture and we're out of here. But this is, you think about igniting your faith, igniting your spiritual life, taking off, cutting out voices, fueled by the power of prayer, marked by prayer and uncharted territory. This is the passage for you. It's uh, Hebrews 12, verse one through three. And it says simply, it says, it's therefore, which is referring back to everything we just said in Hebrews 11, right? Because all these great men of faith, all these stories, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you know there's a race for you that Jesus has marked out and you're called by faith to run that race, like push into the gates of hell, to pick up the, 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 the laid back lazy bell recliner and put it up and just get rid of it and move forward to things of God, amen? They have a race they are running towards. And fixing our eyes on Jesus might be the greatest part of that passage. You're looking at Christ the entire time, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If you want your year and your life to make a difference, this is the verse you better put in your heart because there's hard times and difficult seasons. It says this verse three, it says, consider Jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If you want to give up, you'll look no further than the cross of Jesus because it was worth Jesus going all the way for us, spilling every ounce of his blood so that we could know him. It is worth me spending every ounce of my blood to serve him, amen? That's the call of God. By faith, we live our life. If you want your life to matter, live it by faith, not by sight. Father, come before you. God, I pray for a generation of transcended people. God, that put you first, be full of faith. Today, I pray for a group of people that's in the house and those that say, you know what? I know Jesus, but today I recognize I'm playing it safe. I've been playing inside of a box territory made by somebody else's rules, made by a limit of my own smaller faith. But today I'm gonna have great faith in God. I'm gonna be a transcendent person. I'm gonna take ground. I'm gonna be that person for my family. I'm gonna be that person wherever God calls me to go. I'm gonna live a life of great faith, transcend in my culture. And I've been weary, I've been broken. And I realize today I'm looking at Jesus and he went all for me, so I'm going all for him. If that's you today, we just put your hand high and say, you know what, that's me. I'm gonna be big faith today. I'm gonna go all in for Jesus. I'm gonna live on faith. There's hands all across this room. I'm gonna pray for you, Father. You see the hands. God, make us a generation that the world wasn't worthy. Let us get to heaven one day and say there was chariots of fire in that generation. That was a generation that stood up, took ground back, that wasn't afraid, that was fearless in the culture. So God, give us the boldness and the courage because we've put our face to your face, the face into the Bible, and we saw you face to face, we humbled ourselves, and we walked by faith and not by sight. We pray for one more group of people, that's those of you that walked in today and said, you know what, I'm a man of no faith. I'm a woman of no faith. I came in with very little faith of any faith. But today I recognize that Jesus is patiently waiting for me. That this moment in time is not an accident. That somebody brought me here and it took faith to, to them invite me. And that they brought me into the word of God and I hear the voice of God speaking to me. And today I wanna know Jesus. I wanna know the, the father, the author and the finisher of faith. I wanna be in that city of fountains one day. If that's you and you want Jesus to be forgiven, made new, set free. If that's you, we just raise your hand high and say, I need Jesus today. Come on, put your hand up in that place. I'm not gonna call you out, make it weird, but if you need Jesus, come on. If that's you, just pray this prayer. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to die and make a way by faith to you. 
God, thank you for the spirit of God that you're gonna pour generously upon me today. God, I wanna follow you, make me transcendent in my culture today. I'm gonna bring the good news to someone else because the good news came to my home. And so thank you for saving me and changing me. And I pray this in faith, in Jesus, in his name we pray, amen. Come on, let's give it up for God today. Let him know you love him, come on. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we are so excited for you this week. And I just want you to know that's not the end of your journey. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's the beginning. And uh, all of heaven is rejoicing for you right now. So I want to give you some action steps if that's you. Uh, I want to invite you to get your phone out and text RL next to 97000. And uh, when you do that, we just want to hit you up with some resources this week and just, uh, just be available to answer any questions you might have about that next step of your journey. Something else you could do on your way out of the worship center today is at the back table, you can grab a red bag and in that bag's a Bible. We just encourage you dive in. Hebrews would be a really cool place to start uh, just kind of following along with that uh, message today. And again, there's just even more resources in there for you this week. You know, Sean really called us this morning to live a life uh, just transcended by faith. And we just, one of the coolest ways we can do that, most practical ways is just to say, we're not gonna be silent anymore. So I want you to look on your chair. You're gonna see a red card that looks like this. And this is just a really practical, uh, cool tool that you can have in your arsenal this week as you're talking to people. You can hand this to someone and just say, hey, you know, here's where I go. Here's where I worship each week and get connected. And uh, I just want to invite you to come out and join me sometime and meet some people of God and just uh, people that are here for you. And uh, you're going to know Jesus and you're going to hear about your purpose and all that good stuff. And what's cool about these cards is they're prayed over each week uh, by the real life staff. And uh, I just encourage you to also add to that and pray over these cards yourself this week and just pray that God will put people in your brain that you could be talking to. And just to, if you really want a bold prayer, you can say, God, bring people in front of my path this week that I can talk to. So I just encourage you uh, to be inviting people out, bringing people out, and that you will be bold by faith this week man, one of the things I love about our church is just how generous you guys are. And, and you really set the pace in 2022 and already here at the beginning of this year. And one of the really cool ways you've done that to our Hope Center, and I'm super excited to announce that we're going to really get to minister to the real life youth as they get to take over and really own that Hope Center on Sunday night, starting February 19th. Can we give it up big for our real life youth, for all the adults that serve and just love on these kids? kids. Man, it's going to be awesome to have that anchor space, that home that they can just call their own each and every week, not putting anybody else out. And so we're just excited for that. And hey, that doesn't just happen. That's because of your generosity. And I want to invite you to play a part of generosity at Real Life, not just for our Real Life youth, but for all the other ministries, all the other goals that we have here to reach our community for Christ. And so, uh, of course, I'm talking to people who call Real Life home. If you're brand new with us today, welcome home. We love having you here, but I'm not going to call you to generosity just yet. In fact, this gathering was our gift to you. But if you do call Real Life Home, here's some ways you can play a part. Uh, RealLifeChurchKC.com. You can text any amount to 84321. We have a giving box in the very back where you can drop off envelopes, cash, things like that. And then our uh, ushers are going to be coming by with the giving baskets. And hey, the giving buckets, I should say. And hey, if you find yourself immediately in need of uh, food, clothing, or shelter, we just invite you to go ahead and reach in those buckets as they go by. Find any loose cash you see and use that to bless you and your family this week. One more exciting thing, I want you to check out this video as you learn a little bit more about missions. Check it out.
want to give you a quick update on how your generosity is making a difference across the world through one of our global missions partners in Colombia, South America. The EEC or Escuela de Entrenamiento Cristiano is an in-residence discipleship training school where they take young people and put them into groups of small groups, one-on-one and life-on-life discipleship that is changing the landscape of Colombia for Jesus. Under the leadership of Hugo and Juliana Rodriguez, the EEC is a place where young people can know God, they can learn how to follow Him, and ultimately they can become leaders for the cause of Christ in Colombia. Many young people are at a crossroads in their life, and the EEC helps them to come together with God to say, what does my life look like? And it's truly a transformational place where they can connect to the heart of God. Hugo shared with me recently that the work that we did last summer has allowed he and his family to move on site at the school. And it's just been a huge blessing for his family not to travel back and forth across the country while school is in and out of session. And he also shared they are so excited because they've been able to add three full-time and one part-time staff member to help lead the school. And they are so expectant about all God is going to do in their next session, which actually starts on February 17th. When you give at Real Life, You are a part of making a difference through the EEC, not just in Bogota, but ultimately across the world as many young people are making decisions to become church planters and work in the ministry across the world. So to all of you who give, we thank you. Today, some of you are thinking about breaking through the limits that this world has placed on you. Maybe you're ready to take a big step of faith in something that God is calling you to. And so I want to challenge you that today, maybe that big step is to go with us to Columbia this year from August 5th through 11th. Real Life is taking a team down to connect with the EEC team, to encourage their leadership, and ultimately to see what God will do in the lives of us when we're fully surrendered to Him. To find out more, you can join us for a short informational meeting on February 5th, right after the second gathering here at Kentucky trail. God changes the world one person at a time, and I believe that He wants to use you to make a big impact across our world this summer. Some of you are going to experience God in a whole new way this summer, and I can't wait to see how God can use your life to impact generations to come. Can't wait to see you next week and in Columbia. Have a great week, guys. Who's excited for missions? I remember it was a video just like that last year that really called on Brooke and I's heart to uh, join the team in Columbia. And so I would encourage you all to faithfully consider making room in both your budget and your calendar this year to join our team down in Bogota. So we'll be back next week, 9.30 and 11 o'clock here at Kentucky Trail and online. Um, If you do need a prayer uh, for any reason, we will have a team member right here off the stage. And as always, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.